The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only and not to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the lab report, we're going to talk about hormones again, part three. You mean what we don't know about hormones, part three? Not what I said? Not really. I'm not sure what you said. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. What did you say there? Part three. Just hyping it up, man. Part three. Just hyping it up. That's how you do it. All right. If you say so. Man. Bring the energy, Patty. Why don't you crush it once in a while? Hello. Hi, Michael Chapman. How are you today? I'm fantastic, Patty Devers. How are you? I'm bringing the energy today. Crushing it. Part three. (laughs) Part three. If you only knew the number of eye rolls I got at home on a regular basis. <laughs> All right. So it's a podcast. You know them. You've, you've seen these podcasts. It's not your Heard. first rodeo Heard podcast. Yeah. And so uh, it's, it's this one's called The Lab Reports, brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. Thank you to Genova. Thank you. And it's where we talk about things like functional and integrative medicine, specialty lab testing and integrative therapeutics, like all the natural remedies and such. Mm. And um, yeah, it's a good time. Tell me what, if you like this good time, Patty, <laughs> well, first jump of all, in here. If you're new to the show, welcome. And if you're returning, we're so grateful that you keep showing up for us. So thank you so much. And maybe if you if you if you like it, if you've moved, if you're moved, maybe to, if you're moved to go and follow the show, maybe hit the button. What do you mean, maybe? <laughs> go As ahead. if there's any doubt. Fair. Go to iTunes or Spotify, subscribe, rate, review, share it with your friends, leave us a star or two or five. I mean, after my little intro, part three, <laughs> then how, how could they turn it off? You know what I mean? Uh, but maybe, you know, maybe that's not your cup of tea. If that's not your cup of tea, tell me what your cup of tea is. Is it Earl Grey or English Breakfast? You oh can gosh. send that to podcast at gdx.net. That's our email address. Um, and we will take all of your questions and respond to them. Patty will. Love the emails. And if you're a consumer out there interested in Genova testing, maybe head over to Genova Connect, which is connect.gdx.net. There you can access all the tests yourself. You oh, yeah. can buy them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we have a promo code should mm-hmm. you choose to do that. Yeah. It's called the Lab Report 20 is the promo code. So you just pop that right in there uh, at the checkout. You're going to get 20% off. It's a lot. You're testing. It's a lot of money. You want a nutrient test? You want a GI test? You want a hormone test? What about stress? You got stress? You want to do that <laughs> test? The Lab Report 20, pop that in there, 20% off. Bada boom, bada bing, you're welcome. I also want to say, we started a blog over on the Connect site. We sure so did. Go check out the blog. You can learn you all about these little health topics and what testing can do to help optimize your health. Yeah, totally. Let me give you a little teaser here, some of these interesting okay. topics. We've got how nutrition impacts mental health. Important. Yeah. Anyone got some mental health issues? Yeah. Learn more. All of us, right? Go to connect.gdx.net and check out the articles. Navigating healthcare models. Which path is right for you? The gut-skin connection. How your gut health impacts acne. Yeah. Listen, look, there's all this stuff here. You don't even... Great information. But, you know, come here first. This is the place to go first. (laughs) Follow us and then go to the blog. Good idea. What are you on about? Patty, what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to do the third in our series of what we don't know about hormones, which begs the question to you, Michael, the third of what? Like, how many of these are we doing? I thought three. 
What? Not just because I want to be done with it, but partly because I want to be done with it. <laughs> but I also think that, you know, three is a good number. It's a trilogy. And as we all know who watch movies, trilogies are really kind of the best form delivery. But then what if there are more things we don't know about hormones that we want to talk about? Then we just have another trilogy like Lucas. So like. It's possible we'll have like three trilogies and nine episodes. Just like we're George just Lucas. Gonna call it three different trilogies. Just follow the George Lucas. Okay. But then the question I would kick back to you, since you kicked me a question, is uh, what's left to cover here? I mean, what don't we still know about hormones? Well, I will say this. You know, the Endo Plus came out, which is Genova's latest product that Michael Chapman helped develop and put together. This is one of his babies. Hmm. It looks at sex hormones, melatonin, stress hormones. You can get saliva, urine, or blood. And now, since this is the first time this has happened and we're looking at all these different levels and different matrices, we're seeing all these different results come back. Sure. Which leads us down rabbit holes of trying to explain. We're in the literature. It's a lot. Yeah, it's one of those things, right? You go out and when you go out with a test where you're comparing different matrices that has never been done before, mm-hmm. um, you have to kind of go out with a little bit with your arms up in the air and a little bit of a, a I don't know, a humble shrug mm-hmm. and say, guess what? We don't know everything. We don't. Which is kind of a, a, a weird position, a weird posture to be taking, especially in this industry where we tend to hear lectures and we tend Mm -hmm. to learn information we tend to think we know a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't always have it right correct so there's you know we've all gone to these lectures you learn things and people are so dogmatic and they're so sure it's like canon but then you go through the literature and you see all this discrepancy so we're trying to put the pieces back together to figure it out with you all right well let me just bring up one of these things that has floated around the department a couple weeks over the last couple weeks Mm -hmm. Salivary testosterone in females. Yeah. There seems to be some sort of difference, apparently, having looked at the literature, that uh, salivary testosterone levels might be different when it comes to males versus females. Why might that be, Patty? Well, both men and women have testosterone. Let's start there. And men have more testosterone than females in general. But in addition to that... Speak for yourself, Patty. (laughs) In addition to that... Your saliva contains these proline-rich proteins that can bind to testosterone. and Proline-rich proteins? Yeah, that can bind testosterone in your saliva. What? Given the fact that the prevalence of testosterone in males is greater, the protein binding effect is negligible. But it's still there. But just in comparison. I see. see. On average. On average. On average. Cross population studies, right? It's yeah. going to be higher levels of testosterone in the saliva of males. So assays are less affected by this percentage that might be impacted by the proline rich proteins, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting thought because we always talk about saliva as being free unbound hormone, right. which is true when you're considering like what the actual assay, what the test is measuring, it's measuring free unbound hormone. Uh, But that does not mean that all hormone in your saliva is quote unquote unbound. And it's not the effects of sex hormone binding globulin or albumin. It's specifically these salivary protein binders. (laughs) This is crazy. See, look at that. You you had never heard of proline-rich proteins. Now just put that in your back pocket and whip that out at a cocktail party anytime somebody starts talking about free unbound hormones in your saliva. (laughs) You're like, wait a minute. 
wait a minute. But here's blow people's minds but, with that. But just for our next set of trilogies, we'll have to go looking to see if this affects other hormones besides testosterone. The prequel trilogy, right? <laughs> yeah. That what? doesn't make any sense. Sure doesn't, Oliver. <laughs> Speaking of not making sense, what else are we talking about today? What don't we know about hormones, Patty? You know what's interesting? Christine sent me this article that she found when okay. we were doing all of our research to create the content for the Endo Plus profile. Yeah. yeah. Although we do not measure urinary cortisol, we measure cortisol in the saliva because that's where most of the literature mm-hmm. is. Right? We used to do it. We used to back in the day. Yeah. Um, but there's this article that she sent me that talks about how dietary sodium intake can affect cortisol measurements. Like if you restrict salt versus take extra salt in your diet, hmm. your level of cortisol in the urine goes up and down. So then that brings up the It kind of makes sense to a it certain does, extent, like right? It does, because of the RAA, renal angiotensin. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that that's basically one of its major jobs of, of cortisol, mineral corticoids, and that entire pathway. And you would expect that to act in the kidney to balance salt levels. Sure. So um, that makes all the sense in the world. I just never thought about how if people are using urine cortisol uh, as some sort of diagnostic tool, Mm -hmm. then uh, you might want to be controlling for salt intake. And again, this is going to be person specific, right? Mm -hmm. Not everyone's going to react to a salt restriction in the same way. People, it's like hydration, you know, it tends to oscillate over time. Like if you just start drinking 12 glasses of water per day when you're used to drinking four, For a long time, you're going to have to pee a bunch Mm -hmm. before your body compensates, adjusts, and kind of recalibrates to that new fluid volume. And so I would think the same thing with salt restrictions or salt excessive salt intake. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I I guess I just never thought about it. Like, we hear people measuring urinary cortisol all the time. It never occurred to me to account for salt intake because it definitely can influence what you're going to get in the urine. Yeah, that, that was a very interesting study. And again, not surprising. One, I did really like a couple aspects. The first one is that this is a crossover study, mm-hmm. right? So you have the same group, 630 people. A lot of people. Um, without Cushing's disease. To, to follow this crossover study where they first do a restricted sodium diet. Um, and so they're following that for, so that's no fun, right? No. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's pretty bland. Right. Um, and then they switch over to what they called a liberalized sodium Ooh. diet. And boy, did, must that have felt liberalized in G- <laughs> indeed after the sodium restriction. And I felt like my life was liberalized when I found like Redmond's real salt and realized that maybe salt is not the end all be all for blood pressure and cardiovascular mm-hmm. disease and all these sort of things. Not the enemy. And I have no affiliation, but that Redmond real salt, that's the real deal, man. Okay, another thing we don't know. What's we, that? We think we know, but we don't know. What? I just want to talk for a second about the steroidogenic pathway. Love it. I, love I know. It. We so all great. love it. Yeah. The fact that all of our hormones come from cholesterol and you follow the pathway to progesterone mm-hmm. and then to the androgens and then that the androgens then aromatize to become the estrogens. Sure. And conceptually, Christine and I were talking about this when we were writing all the content that, you know, the steroidogenic pathway happens in all of your cells. Mm-hmm. And depending on what organ it is, various enzymes are turned off or turned on. Um, to produce whatever hormone you want to make. So I somehow remember back when we interviewed the genius mm-hmm. Dr. Ben Bickman, Love PhD. The right? So nice. Remember the book, Why We Get Sick? Yep. Genius. I remember being super surprised by him talking about the different expression of aromatase in males versus females. Yeah. And I, I, specifically, I was just thinking about this yeah, the other day, actually. And I remember him calling you brilliant, which is why I think you'll That's why it. I was thinking about <laughs> it. I'm just sitting, just basking in the glory of Ben Bickman if, complimenting if me. If a genius calls you brilliant, feel pretty good about yourself. <laughs> but what was, what was that 
mechanism. Do you remember that? What was that about? I don't know. But, you know, I can pull it up, actually, because I have my phone right here. We can just we can just play what he said here. Like, I mean, why bother even, you know, doing the show and I can just replay an old show and we can just reuse content. <laughs> let, that let Ben answer the question. Yeah, just hold on. Let what me. are you doing? Searching for it? Yeah. Ben. Oh, that's not your spot. Big man. B-I-K-M-A-N. Oh. Okay, here it is. Yeah. And decreasing aromatase activation, but then you also, in an insulin resistance individual, might have more adiposity, which might be stimulating aromatase. So it's almost kind of like this confused mechanism. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Good for you, Michael. Yeah, so <laughs> to my yeah. knowledge, good, good that for me. overexpression of aromatase yeah, is a male-specific event. Hmm. It's not something that we see as much in in, in adipocytes of females. Hmm. And so it's not, it's not uh, and in the male fat that is perhaps becoming insulin resistant, which fat cells do, the insulin induced insulin is less capable of inhibiting aromatase. And so in, in, a, in an insulin resistant overweight man, we have the exact opposite phenomenon where he now has too much aromatase. And so it's, it's like I, I kind of joke, although I don't mean to make light of a serious situation, but it's almost like there are ovaries in his adipose mm. tissue. Mm. Thanks, Ben. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's that's fascinating in and of itself that there's these sort of uh, male, female, different expressions of adipose tissue. And but not only that, it's like male versus female but with insulin resistance. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's the insulin resistant aspect to the aromatization sure. of androgens. So, um, again, we're going to have to keep that in mind as we're looking at these different test results as it relates to our androgens and our estrogens. Um, and it makes me think also to a certain extent the estrogens that are coming out in the urine, perhaps, mm. um, as being somewhat downstream metabolites of all this activity at the cellular level. Okay, well, also, Patty, let's go back to saliva a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. we, d- we also came across some information about even how we're collecting. Um, And we've had this conversation as a lab internally quite a bit as far as, you know, do you, are are you trying to get somebody to salivate? Are they, are you actively doing it? Are they passive drool collection? Like this is one type of thing you see in the literature. Um, There's different devices that are used. What's the best way, you know, to, to go about this? And so there's, different opinions in the research, as you can imagine, around that, too. What did, what did you find? Well, I found this really interesting paper that talks about just that, right? So, you know, it's hard to, to salivate on command. So, you know, at the Genova collection is a tube and is passive drool <laughs> into the tube. But there are other people out there who tried to help people collect saliva by using things that are called salivettes. And there's synthetic salivettes. There's cotton salivettes. Basically, you put it in your mouth and you drench it, and then you send it to the lab, not realizing that there are some effects on levels when you use other collection devices besides passive drool. And so we found this paper. Yeah. And so one of the things that I mentioned is that um, there's different representation of different hormones when using synthetic salivates or using cotton salivates. Um, So the results of this one paper said concentrations of testosterone as well as androstenedione were lower when using synthetic salivates um, and were higher when using cotton salivates Hmm. as compared to your gold standard kind of passive drool collection. Um, Cortisol levels in saliva were unaffected by salivates. However, Cortisol and testosterone levels were higher in with chewing gum stimulated saliva. Mm-hmm. Um, so, man, it's like all these variables. That's right. But I think at the end what of the about, article, it's it, like it, for it, me, I'm thinking like Pavlov, right? Like, <laughs> well, what about DiGiorno inspired olfactory stimulation? Or what well, about. 
at the end, the conclusion came to that they advocate unstimulated salivary collection in a simple tube to measure your, your, your steroid hormones rather than using one of those other collection devices. But it's something no one thinks about. Yeah. And again, at the end of the day, your labs are going to be setting reference ranges, uh, hopefully, mm -hmm. um, you know, with, with good credence on what that particular methodology is and what that collection device is as well. So there's that. I mean, so many variables, right? Mm -hmm. Can I, I'm going to riff on one other thing, too, just because it's been interesting to see this data roll in from the Endo Plus, where, again, we are looking at saliva levels, serum levels, and urine levels of uh, estrogens, at least, in all three, um, and then saliva versus serum and a lot of the, for a lot of the other hormones as well. And so we're starting to see some of these patterns. Granted, we don't always know the entire case history on a lot of these, um, but... One of the things that we're, I'm starting to notice that I find interesting is that serum levels do tend to, you can fairly often see people who are taking hormones and those hormones showing up on serum levels as compared to people who are not on hormones. Would you I, agree with that? I would, and I think you said it best when you said serum's kind of gotten a bad rep for many years where people say, oh no, it just doesn't show up in the serum, when in fact we're seeing that it does. Yeah, and I think what this is going to end up leading to is like we're talking about with serum magnesium, right? That's a very small threshold in which that window is allowed to shift, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about like 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, just raw concentration changes that you see before things start getting really out of whack. Meaning small moves in the serum may equate large moves as far as overall body burden. Um, right, things are very homeostatically tightly controlled in the serum. Mm -hmm. And so if you see a smaller move, albeit a move, a statistically significant move, um, that could very well be somebody who's taking hormones and like we just need to establish what those types of reference ranges correlate to, where that move might look pretty dramatically larger in the saliva. And indeed, that is what, what we're finding quite a bit. Um, but the other thing is we also are seeing people with higher levels of salivary progesterone where it looks actually fairly normal in the serum and this has actually been kind of fascinating especially if you're talking about something like fertility because you want to make sure that somebody has adequate luteal phase progesterone so um do you have any more information on that part of it we i'm thinking about this one specific patient that you know we did the endo plus they had a very robust progesterone in saliva but actually really low in the mm -hmm, serum. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. then, you know, we start throwing around all these theories about why that happens. And we know that progesterone is also secreted by your adrenal gland. So we know with stress, sometimes we see higher progesterones in general. Plenty, yeah, plenty of research to indicate higher levels of progesterone secretion in, in response to stress, yeah. But then, if you can consider that progesterone is one of those hormones that doesn't bind to sex hormone binding lobulin, it's actually bound to albumin. And actually, corticosteroid binding lobulin. So if you have a, a progesterone hormone that travels around bound to corticosteroid binding lobulin, mm. there's a couple of theories that okay. you can think about. All right. So someone's really stressed. Not only will the adrenal gland directly secrete some progesterone, but if they're really stressed and they're creating a whole bunch of cortisol, yeah. would all that corticosteroid binding lobulin try to help cortisol out and therefore no longer bind as much to progesterone, which leaves more of it to be free. It which is corticosteroid correct. binding globin. You would think correct. that it would be the uh, the binding protein of choice for cortisol. Right. So then if you're like, oh, all my cortical binding 
um, binding globulin is taken up with all of this cortisol because I'm stressed out, it is, leaves more progesterone to be free. You're saying if you're stressed out, the cortisol is going to kick the progesterone off the bus. Perhaps. Well, that's a theory. That's just thinking. Interesting. Yeah, just thinking. Yeah, I mean, I'm always good for a logical speculation here and there, <laughs> and that seems pretty logical. I can get behind that. So if you have really high progesterone in your saliva and it's low in your serum, it's like, okay, is it from stress? Mm-hmm. Are they on topical hormones? Mm-hmm. Are they a super secretor? It's, right. just, it's just a lot of different variables to consider. Yeah. Another thing that's been interesting is um, uh, we don't call it a discrepancy. It's not a discrepancy. Right. It's just learning more about these different matrices. Is um, you know, It's very common to see low or below detectable levels of E3 estriol mm-hmm. in patients that are not pregnant. Or not taking biased or something like that. Right, because estriol is the primary circulating hormone right. in, in pregnant females. Right. So if you're not pregnant, odds are you don't have a lot of estriol because, you know, it's only right. pregnancy. But what I have seen is a fair number of results come back. People high salivary and serum levels of estrone, E1, mm-hmm. um, kind of like your classic estrogen dominance type picture showing up in both saliva and serum for the most part. Okay. Um, but then when you look at the urine, all of a sudden you're seeing all this E3 show up, estriol, whereas the estrone is actually low or low normal, um, which I think is a great sign at the end of the day. Because basically if you have somebody who has a lot of estrone running around, they're estrogen dominant, um, you know, we know we don't want to have long-term higher levels of estrone, but to see that then be detoxified down into estriol, that means it went down that 16 alpha pathway, which... Um, from a phase one standpoint, we don't want to be doing a ton of that. But as long as it's becoming detoxified from phase two and turning into estriol, um, that's actually that's a good thing because estriol tends to be more protective of the estrogens. So, and um, it's a downstream metabolite of 16-hydroxy. Exactly. So that's interesting. And with that, Patty, mm-hmm. I will say I think the trilogy has therefore then been wrapped <laughs> because like any good trilogy, yeah. we actually ended it not on a what we don't know about hormones, but on a what we Aww. do know about hormones down that 16 alpha into estriol. Right. So, this I mean, I think the end of the trilogy, we've, we've done it. I mean, this is where like the, the Ewoks are like dancing and the fireworks <laughs> are going off and like the Death Star got blown up for a third time or something. How many times are you going to build that thing? You I know, know right. what I mean? Seems labor intensive. Next time on The Lab Report, we're going to talk about cayenne. Cayenne, like the cayenne pepper? Yeah, like the herb. Cayenne, the hmm. plant. Well, it is a hot topic. Oh, um, gee. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. You know, it was really cool. We met Ben Bickman at Metabolic Health Summit, Yeah, right? Freaking love that guy. He's so kind and so smart. Yeah. This weekend I was on YouTube. He has a YouTube channel. Did you know about that? Yeah, yeah, he does. Um I just I Insulin love IQ, I think yeah I love watching all of his stuff yeah, and he's uh, so smart. we should get him back on you know we should yeah um yeah especially if he's gonna compliment me again you know <laughs> in fact that reminds me actually I'm I, I I'm gonna take this here yeah yeah oh that's brilliant good for you Michael yeah so and uh, there you go Dr Ben Bickman uh sidle right up next to Will Cole he will be your new next door neighbor in the board here you guys are really great. 
And we can just have an entire board of positive affirmation. How's that sound? I love that. That's a great. Yeah, idea. yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. You guys are really great. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, thanks, guys. You really, you really think so? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really brilliant.